the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join in the fight for love. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives captives free. Each week, this program sheds light on the needs of vulnerable people in our community who are impacted by human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and abuse, and celebrates the work of those who are meeting them right where they are and expressing to them that they are precious, valued, and loved. Our goal is to see this radio audience move to compassion demonstrated in acts of service, generosity, and gifts of time. Give up a chance. Give up your heart. Love never fails. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today with a very just hot, 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 fired up group of women that are advocating in this opposition of SB Senate Bill 357. And I'm so honored to be uh, on this journey with this powerful group of, of, of advocates and leaders. Uh, first, I'll just introduce a few of the individuals that I have with me today. Uh, Stephanie Powell, who's the Director of Law Enforcement Training and Survivor Services at National Center on Sexual Exploitation, NCOSE, and a 30-year veteran of LAPD. I have Pansy Watson with us, who's legal counsel also from NCOSE. And also I have with me Marissa Ugarte, who is the uh, bilateral bilateral corridor uh, executive director founder, um, who is doing amazing work in the San Diego area. And I just want to um, first of all, thank uh, each of them. We've been working tirelessly with with uh, others, uh, Rima from uh, Global Hope 3, 365 and Greg Burke from California Family Foundation, and just a, a myriad of leaders to oppose SB 357. And today we're going to be talking about why. Why are we opposing and what are the um, issues that you as as our listeners should be aware of? Welcome to the show, everyone. How are you doing today? Thanks for having us. Doing great. Hey, doing good. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. And you know what? I think I botched up your name, Marisa, for your, your business. I mean, for your organization. Bilateral Corridor. No, tell Bilateral me. Bilateral Safety Corridor Coalition. Coalition. There you go. Okay. Thank you. I, I had it written down wrong and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. So thank you for correcting me. Um, I've, I've had the pleasure of working with Marisa to do some education with the anti-money laundering agencies uh, there in, in Southern California in the past. And she is doing amazing work, housing, caring for 
advocating for uh, survivors in Southern California. We're going to hear all about that. So I want to start off today. Uh, firstly, uh, you, you heard a little snippet of this in my interview last week with Leslie Gashi from Pillars of Hope. And we talked about um, some of the issues with just the way that this bill has been written has been troubling, um, specifically the, the narrative that is in the bill around the reason sort of the impetus for creating the bill is that um, is that women, particularly black women, are being um, harassed uh, by the police. And this bill would provide them some safety by decriminalizing loitering for the purpose of sexual of soliciting sex for the purpose of soliciting prostitution. And so if this bill were passed, it would decriminalize loitering in every California community. It would decriminalize loitering that is being used for the purpose of soliciting prostitution. And the 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 writers of this bill uh, Senator Scott Weiner and uh, sponsors, the ACLU, St. James Infirmary, uh, Cast LA, all of these uh, agencies that have signed on sort of have signed on to this narrative that says that um, that the reason why black uh, women are being uh, approached by the police is because surely because of police bias because they're picking on them, because they're in communities just minding their own business, walking around, and the police are coming and picking on them and arresting them without cause. Um, Unfortunately, that narrative, first of all, and they're also attributing the disproportionate number of Black women that are being arrested to police bias, really preying on the anti-police sentiment that is in uh, that is is common in our world today. And what is disturbing about that is it really doesn't highlight the fact that black women are disproportionately exploited in our nation. In fact, 6.5% of our nation's population are of black women and 40% of those that are being trafficked are black women. So we know there is a disproportionality period point blank. And so we should see a disproportionality in arrest. That's normal. The real issue here is why are so many black women and Latinos and any women and any LGBTQ plus community members in our community being subjected to such a horrific industry, being the sex industry and being forced to um, survive by way of selling sex? And so my, you know, my intention in highlighting that is just to say, yes, these numbers are accurate. And yes, there's a problem with it, but not because of police bias, but because women and and, and vulnerable people are being left to such a horrific experience in order to survive, which is human trafficking, exploitation. I want to enter. I want to bring Stephanie. I'd like to bring you into this discussion and 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 ask you if this bill were passed. What kind of impact you have years and years of experience in LAPD? What kind of impact would that have on law enforcement? It would have a tremendous impact on law enforcement. And the other thing um, that we we have a tendency to forget about as it pertains to this bill is that um, uh, Lord um, sex buyers can also be arrested and or cited 
under this loitering of uh, for the purposes of prostitution. So it takes away a tool. Um, I, I think what we have to also remember is that law enforcement, a police officer can only arrest for a misdemeanor when it's been committed in their in their presence. And so what often happens is law enforcement will use that loitering law in order to ascertain whether um, someone is uh, 15 or 21. So let's say I, I, I'm, I'm working my vice unit. I see a girl that's out there. I don't know if she's 15 or 21. I can use that loitering law as my probable cause to stop and to be able to investigate, to figure out how old she is. This is so commonly used. And I'll give you a, a very quick example. I was talking to um, LAPD's South Bureau um, uh, Human Trafficking Unit. Now, they take care of all of South Central Los Angeles, and that's four divisions. I asked them how often did they actually use that um, particular code. They said they use it 80 to 90 percent of the time. And what broke my heart was the fact that they didn't even know that um, there was a possibility that they were going to lose this. And at the end of our conversation, they were like, please, Stephanie, don't let them take that from us because that is our way of identifying victims of human trafficking. So hearing the pleading in their voice, not only from South Central, but I'm also hearing this from other vice detectives um, and investigators as well. It would be a significant blow to the ability of identifying victims of human trafficking. And then one last thing. Also, if I am a um, vice sergeant um, and I'm watching that white Toyota that's going around the block and stopping and talking to girls, what happens to that 12 year old that's trying to walk to the store that's being solicited by a sex buyer? I'm seeing that because remember, misdemeanor in my presence. My PC to stop that vehicle is based on the fact that he is in the area, he or she is in the area for the purpose of loitering in order to solicit someone for prostitution. I need that penal code in order to make that stop. That is so important. And so, you know, what I hear you saying, and I keep hearing it from other law enforcement, even though we're in a time of anti-police sentiment, um, we need to not cripple the police that we are saying still need to be out there. And certainly in areas where there's no other alternative, we need to be wise in saying, okay, 653.22, that is the penal code that is used, the loitering penal code that is used. And it's the tip of the spears, what I hear that them saying, you saying and other law enforcement saying, it is the tip of the spear. It's used to poke into something that doesn't look right. This looks fishy. I'm going to approach it with this tip of the spear. I'm going to ask questions and people are going to be compelled to answer those questions, both the buyers, the exploiters and the survivors, so that I can uncover a potential crime. And then when a crime is uncovered, then I can move to 647B, which is actually prostitution. And so even the metrics that we see with these penal codes is, is some, some, in some cases distorted because it's not showing up as 653.22, but yet that was the bill, that was the penal code that was used to start the investigation and empower the police to look into a matter further. Okay, when we come back, we're not gonna we're not gonna just talk about the impact to the police. 
uh, because I want you to also hear about the community. The community, as Stephanie said, the 12-year-old that's walking to the store. Let's hear about her and her experience and the mom that's coming home late from work. Let's hear about their experiences. We're going to come right back. And thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today with a group of uh, women who are powerhouses, who are coming together as leaders, advocates, addressing the issue of SB 357, which is a decriminalization effort uh, looking to decriminalize loitering for the purpose of soliciting prostitution in our in our state and uh, spearheaded by Senator Scott Weiner, ACLU um, and several sponsors. And we are team opposed uh, that are on this call. And it's a we're talking about a list of hundreds of individuals and agencies that are rallying uh, to uh, to really push back on this as as a, as a bill that threatens the safety, not only of survivors, but of communities, of uh, community members and, uh, and, and all of us. And so I'd like to hear from you, uh, Pansy, Pansy Watson of um, NCOSC, and just hear about your perspective um, as legal counsels looking at this from a variety of angles. What do you think that kind what kind of impact is this going to have on the human rights of the families that are living in these in these communities where this loitering is happening? Well, um, this kind of loitering, um, not only loitering for the solicitation of prostitution, but even loitering um, in relation to other smaller misdemeanor crimes tends to occur in uh, poor working class neighborhoods. You know, this isn't happening in, in gated communities. This isn't happening in wealthy communities. They would never tolerate that. They would just call the police to have it handled. And so instead, they're targeting these communities and in saying basically, well, if you don't have a lot of money, then you also don't have the right to 
be safe. You don't have the right to walk from the bus stop to your home without being harassed. You don't have the right to send your kid to the store to pick up some things that you need for the house, which is a perfectly appropriate thing for a kid to be able to do without the risk of your child being harassed. So we're talking about a huge impact on neighborhoods of working class people, of people who want to be safe and protected and have the right to be safe and protected in their neighborhoods where they live. Moreover, there's businesses in these neighborhoods. You know, if you want to support small business, especially right now after lockdown has had such a huge impact on small and local businesses, small businesses that are integral parts of their neighborhoods, small businesses that employ people directly in the neighborhood, including teenagers who also are maybe walking back and forth from home to their jobs. You're talking about disabling these business owners from being able to call the police when somebody is clearly loitering around their shop, either soliciting for prostitution or maybe even loitering in a suspicious attempt at another crime. They're not going to be able to call the police and say, I need some help. There's something suspicious going on here because the police don't have anything that they can do about it without the loitering law and without witnessing the actual crime happening. So what loitering laws do is empower police in a preventative way. Mm. And communities have the right to feel safe. And this idea that they're just used to target people or harass people ignores the fact that, you know, suspicious behavior is pretty obvious, even to untrained eyes. Mm -hmm. And police, even more than untrained eyes, are trained to identify this suspicious behavior and prevent harm, prevent harm to communities that deserve to feel safe. And, and these communities are often disproportionately impacted by crime. It's, it's just not right. And it's not just to subject them to more risk by removing this law. Yes. And, you know, Pansy, uh, just on that point, I think we're all in agreement on this call that there, you know, we don't want to see, uh, the women, especially trafficked victims out there being criminalized for, um, you know, being victims. Right. So that's Absolutely. not the intention here. Um, but we, you know, at least at Love Never Fails, we want to see an investment in exit strategies. This bill should have been brought forward with appropriation for exit strategies, not just removing a police tool uh, and, and attributing, you know, this disproportionality with black women um, as police bias, but actually recognizing, no, there is a disproportionality of black women being exploited and Latino women being exploited in our in our in our nation and in these locations like the one cited in Compton, where they said, you know, uh, I think it was, you know, 48. They found 48 victims of human trafficking that were black. And and, you know, that was a very high percentage. And they keep citing like, you know, 60 some odd percent of the people that were out there were black. Well, yeah, that's because 65 percent of the people that live in that community are black. So you're exactly. going to see those kinds of percentages. And and those very those black families that live in those communities. Right. And Latino families that live in those communities, they want to be safe. Yes, right. and they don't want their children to be vulnerable to predators in those communities and vulnerable to traffickers who may try to recruit them in those communities, especially if they can loiter with impunity. And, you know, the thing about the loitering law is, is that it empowers police to identify these trafficking victims, not to harass them, but to actually help them get the help they need. Right. Yeah. And if we if we invested more time thinking about that, you know, it's like, OK, so the police pick you up. So where are you going to go? 
you're going to go to jail. That's not the best place for you. We recognize that. We recognize that that's probably not the end all be all. Come on, guys, let's see some legislation to get some more funding so that we can get folks to programs where they can be safely housed. They can receive the mental health services they need, the workforce development services they need, the child care, the, you know. And so, yeah. So, I mean, and how many of them, right? I I met a girl out there recently. Um, I was out in Oakland um, on the track that's there on International. And I met a 23-year-old girl and I went up to her and I was talking to her just two weeks ago. And, And by the way, bumper to bumper, Bumper to bumper cars around the residential district, mm-hmm. girls walking around in, 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 with just a G-string on and nothing else with a, a fishnet uh, sweater on top and high heels that light up. And they're walking around, they're lining up, getting in and out of cars. It's just chaos. I go up to one of the girls and I was like, hey, um, you know, I, I, I offered her prayer. I offered her some uh, a bracelet. I started, you know, just trying to reach her and, and get to know her. She told me her name and I said, what do you need right now? She's 23. She said, you know what? I just want to get out. Uh, She said, I've been here for 10 years, Vanessa, 10 years. So how do we know that because, you know, because there was no intervention 10 years ago, someone who was loitering didn't come in contact with that young lady when she was 13 and say, hey, you want to make a buck? Hey, you know, right. You want to meet my man? You want to meet my dude that's over here? Mm-hmm. Here, let me show you a, a life. Let me show you this Gucci bag and how I got it. Mm-hmm. And now she's on the other side, the one who's being exploited. And never mind the buyers and the you know traffickers, as Stephanie mentioned, that would no longer be able to be touched. They would no longer. Okay, so if this isn't getting you fired up, you guys, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a little fired up. I'm. I'm. Wow. I'm so. I just blown away that anyone could think that this would be a good thing for our communities. But, you know, we're going to hear, but we're going to come back and we're going to hear from another firecracker. (laughs) Marisa Ugarde, who's going to tell us more about this from her perspective. And I love, I love the fact that she um, brings in the, you know, the, 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 the realization that this also is part of organized crime. And so we are going to uh, come back. We're going to hear from Marisa and uh, and just keep the discussion going. And thank you so much for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. 
Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today uh, with advocates, leaders uh, that are uh, just really uh, advocating for the opposition of SB 357. Uh, We are standing together in solidarity uh, because we recognize the just the horrible fallout that will come if this bill is to pass. And just so that everyone knows, the bill uh, actually passed the Senate, believe it or not, it passed the assembly. It is now in assembly appropriations. It's in the suspense folder. And so we are hoping that it will stay there and die and that the folks that wrote it will go back to the drawing board and they will consider a different model, a different approach that doesn't subject children and vulnerable community members to um, to this life, which has been characterized by a phrase by the ACLU as sex work as real work. And so I want to invite in to that, you know, I want to get your impressions on sex work as real work. Uh, Marisa Ugarte, who is the executive director of Bilateral Safety Corridor Coalition. She is has 20 years experience in advocacy. And I'd love to get your take. Is sex work real work, Marisa? Well, yeah, what I like to say is what I have won with an argument before is that the first right of a woman is the right not to have to prostitute. It is economic violence and gender inequality that has brought her there. So there isn't anything that when you do the math with the people that have been out in prostitution and say, how much money do you have if you work this amount of hours um, by, the, you know, by 3,000 a week times four is 12,000 months and 12 months is 144,000. So I asked them, doing the math, how much of that money do you have? None. So the, who did you give it to? Oh, well, you know, the person that handles her. So uh, instead of working on demeaning a woman, what we should do is work on making it easier for her to earn more money. And, you know, if somebody gets 30 million to do, a, you know, a nonprofit to do some work, give one million to the girls and see how many of them stay in prostitution. So that's one part of it. The other one is being in the in in uh, the border, you have organized crime, and also in LA with the Chinese, you know, mafia, which is the snakeheads. So we have the cartels. We had MS13, MS18, that is also in LA and in San Diego, and it's very profitable. And not only that, you get the two uh, sides. You get the muling, and you get the you know, the prostitution. So those two things are, you know, not considered into this law. And also who is paying for this to happen? It's a sex industry. So it's 30 something billion dollars or more that is out there floating to make women victims, victims of a system that doesn't work. And what about the demand? Okay, no buyers. What are you going to have? 
no trafficking. If men realized what they were doing and we were able to curb the demand, that would be another way of really making a difference in our communities. But the dangers are there. And also one of the things is you take away the loitering, the law enforcement is not going to be able to ask a little girl that is out in the street if she's underage or to prove that she's not. So we have depended on law enforcement since the get-go. They are our biggest partners. They are the ones that help us make a difference in the community. This thing that you uh, NGOs do not need law enforcement, I got news for you. I can't go and rescue somebody when I know that they have guns, ghost guns, and all kinds of guns out there. We, we can't do that. You know, this is not an okay thing. So that is one of the biggest problems that we're having is exactly that, that they don't realize how much of a danger it is to do an outreach without the help of law enforcement. This is really a very extremely dangerous thing. Um, and taking away that avenue for us and law enforcement bringing us the girls so we can help them and, and do whatever is necessary with them to bring it out of their life, it's, it, it's a done deal. It, yeah. it is the most dangerous bill I have ever seen in my entire life because they are putting this as the beginning of the total legalization. And yeah. even, even with this, the law enforcement does not want to do that. Okay? Yeah. Yes. And so on that point, um, you know, I, I want to talk about the decriminalization piece because I think this is really important for everyone to fully understand. Um, the ACLU is, uh, they, 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 you know, they're not hiding the fact there's a whole white paper written on it that they are proponents of full decriminalization. They want to see legalization of buying of sex, exploiters, and the exploited. So they want everyone uh, there to be no law enforcement engagement in any of those scenarios. And um, and my trouble with that and uh, the philosophy, as I read through their brief and I went through it with a fine tooth comb, uh, the, philosophy, the philosophy there is by uh, making it uh, legal for the buyers and the exploiters, you actually create more safety for the sex workers, for the for the survivors. And there are two things that I want to say about that. Number one is the experience of a sex worker is very different than the experience of an exploited person that is involved with street prostitution. And I'm going to make the distinction by saying there are people that are doing the pretty woman version of uh, exploitation where you're, you're with some millionaire in some hotel somewhere or in an apartment and you have your sugar daddy and he's paying for everything. And you might have a certain perception that I don't want the police breathing down my neck. Well, that's not the experience of one of these girls that's on Figueroa, which was noted in the SB 357 brief. And we even had the opportunity to look at some Instagram pages where there are, you know, some of the girls are actually promoting, self-promoting on Instagram being, you know, I'm out here on Figueroa, come get this, come see this, come find this. And they're out there completely nude, being beaten, bottles smashed over their heads, being choked out. There's little girls being called to the to parking lots behind Jack in the Box 
to perform sexual favors for $20. That's not dignified. That's not empowering. There's nothing that's positive about that for anybody. And so to, to first of all, continue to remove the safeguarding that police do, albeit maybe there are some crooked police out there. I'm not going to say they're not, but to remove that safeguarding that 90% of the police are providing because of the 10% and leave those children out there un- unguarded and, uh, and those women that don't want to be there and those men that don't want to be there unguarded is, is, is irresponsible. And even, uh, I mean, I, 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 I have stronger words for it, but I'll just leave it at irresponsible. Um, the other piece is, you know, this notion of, of, of decriminalizing for buyers really doesn't show that you, de- you know the psychology of a buyer. There is a study that was done by in Boston of 101 buyers. And one of the buyers asked, um, was asked, how do you view the, the women that you buy? And he said, I think of them like a cup of coffee. I take it, I drink it, and I throw it away. And that's exactly how they feel about the people that they are using. They're disposable. They're nothing more than discarded products. And that for me is heartbreaking. When we come back, I want to hear um, a little bit more from Stephanie as she has hands-on experience about Figueroa in particular. I want to hear about some of the things that we will, in essence, be turning a blind eye to if we proceed with this initiative, SB 357. We'll come right back. And thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We, again, have been just uh, talking about all things SB 357 um, and, you know, specifically highlighting some of the challenges with the narrative, some of the impacts that that we'll see. I wanted to ask you in the narrative, it really focuses on Compton and some of the, the, the layout of the, the police um, discrimination that's happening of the people that are uh, that are out there, the, the girls that are being exploited, the LGBTQ plus community members that are being 
exploited and interrogated, uh, harassed even. Uh, what are your thoughts on that as LAP, previous LAPD? What are your thoughts on that, Stephanie? You know, my, my thoughts on it is that, um, sure, I, I'm, I'm sure there's instances across the country where officers have not used um, certain types of law in the appropriate way. But that's a, 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 a minority. Um, I think I know for the most part, and I can speak not only um, in my uh, role at the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, but as a police officer, as an African-American woman born and raised in South Central Los Angeles. And um, I also ran a nonprofit journey out for seven years that dealt with adult victims of human trafficking. And I can say that um, without a doubt, what I have seen through all of those lenses is, is heart-wrenching when you go out there and you see the level of violence, when you see the deterioration of the quality of life that people have to live under. And to repeal these types of laws is only going to make those situations uh, even worse. And I can tell you, um, I, I, I get the opportunity and I call it the honor to work alongside men and women in law enforcement and really see their hearts. And when I tell them about the repeal of this bill, you could see the light going out of their eyes and the desperation of how am I going to be able to help? How am I going to be able to fight this fight for the people that can't fight it on their own? What I don't hear is, oh my goodness, if you take this away, we will not be able to arrest, harass, and discriminate against people. That's the last thing on their mind. What they're saying is that you're taking away a tool for me to be able to help people. Because remember, the mind, I can only speak for the Los Angeles Police Department in terms of our model. Our model is to protect and to serve. And just like it is across the nation, it is to protect and to serve. And they are, are, are disheartened by the fact that they won't have the ability to do the thing that they um, um, uh, uh, pledged to do when they stepped on that line and took the responsibility as a law enforcement officer. Yes. Wow. And that that's really encouraging to me to hear. And um, I saw some of the notes that you sent over one that really troubled me. You said it said that one of the law enforcement officers you were talking to said he rescued an 11 year old. And if he didn't have that bill, he wouldn't have even been able to approach her because she could have just said, I'm just out here walking. You know, it's none of your business. I'm out here walking. And because of another bill, um, again, that, you know, um, made it illegal to approach a child for human trafficking, um, that it's really hampering his ability to even know how to approach an 11 year old. Um, And so it. It's just creating a lot of challenge. The other thing that, you know, I wanted to highlight here is that, you know, this this bill, uh, again, doesn't come with the proper appropriations for follow up services. Um, It doesn't say we're going to remove the police and we're going to insert agencies that are going to do outreach every 
every night instead of the police. And as Marisa said, how many of you guys want to go up against the coyotes? You guys want to go up against them? Anybody here want to go up without it, without a gun, without, you know, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, if my child's out there for sure, but I don't want to do it. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and so we, it's not even fair to ask NGOs to be out there every night without the support of a partnership with law enforcement and, um, and then, you know, or some kind of security and all that costs money. And so, and then, and then never mind the cities that don't have, uh, that don't have those kinds of NGOs, even, you know, I was, I was sharing with, when I met with Scott Weiner's office, I shared, you know, we're in Stockton, we're in Modesto, we're in Manteca, we're in Fremont, we're in Hayward, we're in San Jose, you know, is there a repeatable agency that like method, methodology, approach, funding that is going to be out in every one of those cities on every night of the week, patrolling, making sure that there's someone who's going to intervene on the on the victims we have? Probably not. One data point, and I want to, it's not probably, no, there isn't. One data point I wanted to share, OPD shared with me, that's a 653.22. Um, which leads to, uh, I think it's 674B, the, you know, those, the, that penal code was used to arrest 60 buyers, eight exploiters, and rescue nine children this year. And by the way, that's, and it was only used to arrest less of the survivors. So more buyers and more exploiters were held accountable with that, the penal code than anyone else this year. What will we do if we don't have access to it? Um, just kind of coming to a close here as we talk this through, Marisa, you po- you shared with us um, a an article um, which actually demonstrates the loitering. And I posted it on our Facebook page. Thank you. It had some quotes from you. Any highlights there that you'd like to share? Which one of the, all the things that I the sent CBS, you? The CBS, uh, I think it was... Oh. Uh, yeah, the, with yeah. the video, with the video yeah, of a, the exploiting. Yeah, is that I sent a lot of stuff because I've been working a lot. But yeah, we did a, a, a CBS piece. Like actually, they came to see me after they done it. And when I looked at the at the video, it, it was heartbreaking to see all these women. And obviously, there weren't any faces. They were only hiding. <laughs> And you could see that there wasn't one specific gender uh, that was out there. You could see white, African-American, browns, you name it, out there. We're talking about over 20 women. We're talking about people in the community claiming, uh, being scared, and by, you know, and costumers from their stores afraid to go there. And what is it? Uh, it's so important to understand the damage that this does in the community, in the depreciation of value of their own property, of, you know, not even being able to help one child. Uh, Last Friday, we, my law enforcement arrested a 33-year-old woman and at the same time, a 13-year-old little girl. I get a report on our hotline telling me that a 15-year-old told the grandmother, I'm going out with this man because he's rich. Is he really? And why are we letting a 15-year-old go? Of course, the grandmother had filed all the missing persons report and everything. Um, The good thing is that 
there are people like us and like you that are fighting this tooth and nail. I commend Stephanie I, and Pansy and everyone else that's doing this, Vanessa, because they, the people out there do not realize that one of those people that could be taken could be their own child and could be their own cousin or anyone else. And that's what's happening. I've, I've seen my cousin in Spring Valley and I've seen uh, doing this and being forced to, can you rescue her out of a mall? I can't. I have to call law enforcement or a black and white and say, I need you to respond right now so I can save someone. I cannot do it on my own. Uh, you know, this is not my job. So if you take away that because some uh, pompous organization thinks that with $30 million, they're going to be doing it, this is not so. It is just a horror, okay? And uh, we're not protected, and neither are they. So whatever they're claiming, I have news that I've heard that I, there hasn't been any outreach done with them. It was other people doing the outreach, not them. So why is it that you're claiming this? Who's paying you? Uh, it, it, the sex industry, LCLU and Amnesty International are on the side of, of the sex industry, which has millions and more millions of dollars. And we're just a little bit of people trying to fight to protect the real people. Yes. And that's yes. the victims come first, not the 30 million, not the 10 million, not anything. Saving victims is what should come first. And who's yes. going to do it? Law enforcement is going to help. Thank you. Thank you, Marisa. That's so right. That's so right. We're here not for the big bucks, but for the people, for the vulnerable people in our communities, uh, because they're worth so much more than money can buy. We'll be right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We, again, have just had a rich discussion about this bill, SB 357. Um, I've so enjoyed uh, advocating alongside each of these 
um, uh, each of these leaders in the community. I wanted to uh, give an opportunity to you, Stephanie and Pansy, to share more about how people can learn more about the work that Nicosi is doing and um, how they can learn more about this bill and other bills, quite frankly, that um, are, are related to this type of issue. Yeah, so um, you can always come visit our our website, which is nsexualexploitation.org. And on that website, we have uh, blogs, articles, uh, press statements, lots and lots of research. We have a very, very excellent and expansive research group that does comprehensive research on a variety of issues related to sexual exploitation. Um, so if you're just looking for, for data to and, and information about what's really going on, that's a great resource to check out. We also host an excellent uh, website called Demand Forum, and that addresses demand issues. So something that I think is really important to mention here is that if we're not targeting sex buyers, we're not really going to do very much about sex trafficking. Without buyers, without demand, there's no trafficking. And uh, Demand Forum offers a lot of resources as well and information on that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, And then uh, Marisa, I know that you also have a wealth of information people can tap into. Where might they be able to access that? Well, basically, uh, we have a, um, a, a webpage, www.bscoalition.org. That's one way. We're also on Facebook, uh, on Bilateral Safety Corridor. You can find us there. And uh, you can request anything. You know, the demand abolition, I want to tell you, has a lot of paperwork and studies done on the demand. Uh, uh, so it, 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 I can also refer you. Uh, by email to places where you can find the information to even get more savvy on it, because that's what we do. Uh, And I want to thank you very much for listening and understanding that this is one of the most important issues that we have ever come up with. Awesome. And just so they have your, um, do you have emails or uh, contact numbers that they could also reach out to Marisa or Pansy? Yes. Yes. We have the emergency hotline number, which is 619-666-2757. And we have our office number, 619-336-0770. And um, we're here for you 24-7. Awesome. Thank you. And how about you, Pansy? Any numbers or email that I should share? We have contact information on the website, and you can email any of us here at public at nicose.com, N-C-O-S-E.com. Awesome. Excellent. Well, right now, what we are doing is we are collecting signatures on a sign-on page uh, for the Legislative Women's Caucus, urging them to join us. And we welcome you to sign on to that, as well as write uh, members of the Assembly Appropriations Committee. Uh, we also, uh, we have um, some some. Um, language that you can use when calling and when emailing templates and that, things of that nature. And you can find all of that on our uh, SB 357 landing page, which is loveneverfailsus.com forward slash SB 357. There you go. So hopefully um, you have gotten a lot from this. There are a ton of other bills. There's AB 262, which is a complete vacature of uh, survivors records. I urge you to look at that. I think it would, I actually happen to think that's going to help quite a few, um, uh, survivors out there as they're rebuilding their lives. 
Um, also, uh, SB 519, also out of Scott Weiner's office, uh, looks to legalize date rape drugs and Molly and uh, LSD, um, which um, if you're not starting to see a theme here, um, hopefully you do uh, on the heels of SB 145, which made 14 the year of consent in our state last August and uh, the age of consent last year in our in our state. And so if you're not starting to see a theme, hopefully you see it. Um, check these things out. Stay involved and um, and certainly um, keep uh, keep us uh, in your prayers. Keep in contact with us um, and keep the communication flowing. And of course, if you haven't heard it before or if you need to hear it again, we want to make sure that you know that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at loveneverfailsus.com, by liking and sharing our Facebook page, Facebook slash Love Never Fails Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. This program is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to loveneverfailsus.com and click on the radio show link. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries, as well as supporters from Faith Fellowship, New Hope Christian Fellowship, and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. On behalf of Vanessa and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thank you for listening, and thank you even more for committing to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Give up a General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.